Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. It sure is. How are you? All I want to do is be happy. Uh, for those who don't know, that's Mary J. Blige. For right? those who don't know. <laughs> that I, I woke up, uh, th- for some reason, I, that song drifts into my head quite a bit. The album it's from is called My Life. That's her iconic one that there was the documentary about recently. Available on Amazon Prime. Um, what year was that album? I remember being in... Wasn't it like 94? 94. I was in high school, yes. Um, that's such a good album. Yeah, we after watching that documentary, because I never listened to that album cohesively. Uh, we went on like a mini road trip. I, mm-hmm. we, we took a drive that was long enough that we could listen to all of it. Yeah. And you and, and t- discuss the various themes of her lyrical contents. <laughs> Very similar themes, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I, we probably talked about it before. I we may have. Well, did we? I yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we. Have. Well, for people who know Mary, you know, she often sings about like her man done did her wrong. Well, yeah, and that never finding the good kind of love, and yeah, but she's still the queen of hip hop soul, and she's one of my faves, uh, and the quality of her music has been consistent throughout her career. I feel like a lot of, she's not a pop, I mean, the, the beauty of not being a pop singer is I think though, you know, our, if, if I'm talking about R&B, I think R&B singers age better because yeah. the content of the music was mature to begin with. Yeah. I mean, if you think about someone like Monica, even Brandy, like I was listening to Brandy's first album the other day and I think it's a very good album and the songs hold up, but so does the lyrical content sure, compared Brand- to someone like, you know. What was that album? I really like a song that Brandy did with Chris Brown. Oh, I'm gonna fall down or you, you can put, put it, it down. down I'm gonna fall down. I remember. You really liked that song. I did. That album was what, like 2012? Yeah, but like even Monica, I think Monica was one of the youngest people to win a Grammy, maybe, or oh. a number. Anyway, her first album she recorded when she was like 13. And those songs sound very mature. And if you think about like these little pop girls recording stuff at 13 back then. I, yeah. Like, like Man well, Moore singing about Candy. Or Britney Spears, even. Or even in the late 90s, yeah. So... I think R&B singers age better. Oh, I just saw a headline about Millie Bobby Brown wants to play Britney. I, well, I've said this before, but you know how I do the Google alerts? Mm-hmm. I get Google alerts every day with my own name because, because M- MBB. Because MBB's dating a man named Joseph Robinson, mm-hmm. who's a hockey player. God, that's lasted a minute. Good for her. Yeah, so I'm very familiar with this woman. Um, there's also... Uh, unfortunately for her again because you know she got in someone created a gif or something of her saying something that was like homophobic (laughs) yeah i think she was off of social media for a while because of that and then now it's happened again (laughs) where she did a video she did an interview with it was either like vanity fair or something and someone took her audio and then the interviewer is asking her do you like gays and she's like no (laughs) are you sure yes so you're whole homophobic. That's right. <laughs> so that poor thing, she can't catch a break. Just leave this little girl alone. Anyway, did you, I saw that she wants to play Britney and that Britney didn't like that or? Well. D- did you read about it? I didn't read. I, I just saw a headline and I wasn't interested in reading more. I, I didn't care enough to read about it either. But um, I wanted to say that we now have some merchandise that I dropped this morning. We already have a sale. So thank you. <laughs> 
Um, Please let us stay open. I think on the shop, because you have to have like a little like about the shop, I think I put help us accumulate enough money that we can live the lives we deserve or something. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, there's more to come uh, featuring Joseph. I think it's waiting for... Yes, we have additional designs, but um, the approval process through the contract manufacturer um, or the third-party logistical uh, platform is uh, slow. But yeah, there's an additional... There are two additional designs that are popping up, and we have other ideas in our head. But the reason it took so long was, A, I'm very busy, and... Uh, yeah. This was something that I kept avoiding because I needed someone to design it. But um, we did find a graphic designer who made some designs we really liked. And I, I, I think I see other people selling merch, like other channels that have similar like subscriber counts. And it's all kind of like, who wants a coffee mug that just has your like cheesy logo on it? I mean... Well, if somebody's really into them, yeah. No, but I mean like cheesy as in like it's not even a nice logo. Oh, sure. Um, so that was the first so thing. Is like I, so I think the logos that she came up with that are on some of the coffee mugs in the shop, I actually do think look cute and professional. But I also feel like I don't want to walk around with a t-shirt that just has like the name of like a podcast I listen to or something because if people don't know it, it's not going to. So I but, really want it. But it's for those that do. No, I know. But I think if I'm going to spend $40 or $30 on the t-shirt, I want it to be something that, you know, it's like, cause you like wearing t-shirts that have imagery. And I, I yeah. believe you do it because it's a conversation starter and. Oh yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's a negative conversation sure. starter because I've had it's, and I know I've talked about this before, but it's funny. People will come up, people will come up to me and invade my space and be like, am I expected to know who that is? Well, <laughs> yes, but just the, keep I, it moving. But my intention was to come up with, what I thought would be cute is if we could have like reinterpret like notable movie posters and in, in and inject our imagery or something. So the first one we came up with that is now for sale is um, mocking the Alien Three poster, mm -hmm. where the or is, Zeno, it, is it mocking or is it paying homage? Paying homage. That's the better choice of words. Where the xenomorph is sort of like breathing down Sigourney's face, mm -hmm. and so instead we have Nick's face cartoonized mm -hmm. and the you know fish jelly like movie title name in like a similar font not too similar that we can get sued i hope but so yeah so i think that that could be something that i want to continue like coming up with cute imagery based off movie posters because mm -hmm. i feel like that would be something cute to wear so that's what kind of took so long is it took me a long time to think like what would be something that i would wear mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I see so much merch and I'm like, I wouldn't buy that. <laughs> like, I, like, so once we found out, like, once we both agreed that that would be a cute idea, then it happened very quickly. Like within two weeks, I was mm -hmm. ready to go. So I will put a link to the shop in the podcast description, but you can also find it on our YouTube channel. There's a tab that says store. And right now YouTube is only showing one item but if you click on that one item it takes you to the like a separate site and then all the items are there so there are like four different designs available now with on like a bunch of different kind of stuff but yeah um i just need to make more money so we can do more things <laughs> there you go well and if we're gonna try to push forward with a movie 
Yeah, we got I need to make money somehow. <laughs> I can't dip into my um, minimal savings. Uh, but moving on. So last week we went to an event. Oh yeah, yeah. Called Wednesday. Oh, we get into two events last week, but yeah. Oh shit! I, actually, let me type that down so I don't forget to talk about it after this. But well, actually, we should start with your the one you were thinking first. Oh. So last Sunday, so yes. like after we recorded the podcast last week, um, later that afternoon, you were invited to a dinner hosted by. Or sort of in honor of. Yeah, it, it's for the press to certain select press, as in like the first, you know, 10 people that RSVP, RSVP <laughs> uh, to these shindigs uh, to meet Dolly De Leon from Triangle of Sadness. She plays Abigail, mm-hmm. the, to- the, the toilet cleaner who becomes a captain of the island. And she is one of the best parts of that movie. So I was like, Agreed. oh, that could be interesting and exciting. And uh, it w- the place wasn't far from our house. It's walking distance to our house. So I was like, yes. So I'm not very familiar with uh, Filipino cuisine. So that was also um, a motivating factor. Um, the place was called... L.A. Rose. L.A. Rose Cafe. Okay. It's on Fountain, not far from that billboard of Betty Davis saying, what's the fastest way to get to Hollywood? Take Fountain. Take Fountain. Yeah. It's kind of near there. But... um Unfortunately, so the restaurant itself is quite cute. It is cute. Yeah, it's cute. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be shady, but you know, I have to speak my truth. That was a B grade restaurant. I was shocked <laughs> when we rolled up and, and, you know, they asked me probably like five times if I was coming because of the limited seating. So I was like, well, we're here. We have to be here. But, you know, I, I'm used to because every time we go to a restaurant, that's the first thing. Yes, we look at and we but no, we have accidentally eaten that B grade restaurant. You're right. But, and for people who aren't in California, because I know in some states, you, it's not required. But in California, every place that serves food has to have their um, the oh, my God, my brain's going blank. Who does the um, rating system? The like the, the food and like no, like the, the health board, drug, the food and drug. No, the health board, <laughs> like the California yeah, Board yeah, of yeah. Health or whatever. They give a restaurant a rating. So it's like A, B, C, D, or then sometimes we've gone places where you can see that it says like this place is closed down for like health code violations. Yeah. So of course you'd want to eat in an A restaurant because even a restaurant with an A rating can have several demerits. Oh yes. So if you're a B and if you're a C, we were at a taco truck. We went to a taco truck in Silver Lake or Echo Echo Park. Park. That was a C. They're still around. So they must have improved. So you know, that's bad. Uh, And I remember Cantor's Deli. They, Cantor's Deli on Fairfax, that famous deli. Were they a C? They, it fell hard at one point. There was a point where they were, I think, a C, yeah. I think they're back up. They leveled up. They did. They're still open. I Shout mean, out to a, Sierra. She and I have the same birthday. Did you know that? Of the same year as well? No, I'm older than she is. Okay. But yeah, same day. Anyway, so that was a little off-putting, but the restaurant's very cute. It looks like it may have been like a house. Mm-hmm. Or or maybe like a live workspace. Yeah, that's right. It reminded you of that place Namaste in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. Uh, who knows if that place is still open? That was yeah. If anyone knows if Namaste on Hennepin in Uptown is still open, because remember it also had a. Although it, I could easily look that you up could on look my it computer. Up. Uh, but remember, there was a restaurant right next to it that was also a house turned restaurant that I don't remember the cuisine, but it was always kind of perplexing. Uh, what I don't recall that there was there were re- there was a restaurant right next door to it as well. And wasn't was it Hennepin? Yeah, 
Namaste Cafe on Hennepin is still open. Oh, we got trapped in there uh, waiting for a seat with these crazy white ladies that were playing with the bowls. Because the decorate, because I think they serve Nepalese food. Is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. But they had these like those drums. And the bowls where and the you, bowls, like the sounding bowls. Where you touch the, the lid. And, it, and child, these Midwestern middle-aged white ladies thought that they were I don't know. They were feeling I felt their like, oats. I felt like I was in an SNL skit with Kristen Wiig. Because uh, <laughs> they were like doing that thing and making the noise. And they're like, oh, that's so good. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it was vaguely sexual. And we had to sit with those ladies for like 45 minutes. It was a lot. But I got so sidetracked. So the, Dolly, de, Dolly so, de Leon. So, so the restaurant um, was cute. It was kind of had like a really homey feel. The decor was cute. It looked like it wasn't, you know, it was being held up with toothpaste and scotch tape. But I thought you were going to say it was being held hostage. No. And then the bathroom situation was very interesting. Oh, I didn't go in there. Oh, you didn't. Okay, so there's a main dining room, which is very small. <laughs> our home, like the live, like the live, the second floor of our home is bigger than that restaurant. I don't want to brag, but no. But I mean, the dining space <laughs> is tiny, tiny, tiny. Yes, it is. And then in the middle of the dining room is a door. Mm-hmm. Like just the, right in the middle, like next to two tables. To another portal, yes. And you walk through that door, and that's where the bathroom is. Mm-hmm. It was so awkward. You said there was a shower in there. That's what made me think this was a house because then you go in the bathroom and it had, yeah, it had a shower. I said you should, should have taken a shower and be like, oh, sorry, excuse me. But we get there right on time. We I got VIP parking right in front of the restaurant, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we get there and you're like tonight's gonna be a good night i have pretty good luck with parking yeah in well, general mm-hmm. well when he doesn't he just goes home so but i'm typically blessed and highly favored when it comes to parking yeah. that makes me think of dion cole mm-hmm. talking about people and their parking blessings won't he do it <laughs> but um we sit down and there are some people there already people aren't particularly friendly well okay so it's other film critics uh and journalists only one person well i knew i've met him previously you met one person one person you knew and then he didn't know where to sit so he's like can you sit with you yeah he he sat with us and then but he never actually sat down he just put his coat no he did he did for a minute like a second but then there was a table next to us with like i guess cooler people so he kept like you could tell he wanted to sit with them and then finally he's like i'm sorry they want me to sit with them like girl yeah well, you want to sit with them. Well, that's that's why I didn't really... Well, we weren't really speaking to him at the table because it's like, that's what I know you are, real, real fake. Uh, well, and then some lady approached me and immediately was like, who are you? Yep, that's... And I, then I was, you know, nobody to her. So she just immediately, like, walked away. But that's but, why I usually don't go to things like that because that's very much the vibe. And, uh, yeah. Well, I would probably start going to more things just because I think it's fun to experience. But yeah, the crowd is kind of like... Well, just well when I took you to Chateau Marmont, because I'd never been before, and there was a, a party after that Seberg screening several years ago. And that was that's the same exact vibe. You know, the problem, and I think the reason I don't mind going is because I, I don't belong to this group, but I think most of these people are so thirsty, like yes. literally and figuratively, and they're all broke. Oh, and, and they're all like, you know, if I want to go sit somewhere and have a glass of wine in a nice place, I could just go do that. I don't need to wait for someone to give me a free glass of wine that I wouldn't order. The other thing, too, is people are just so like, they'll just take anything. Oh, just, and just loading up on this food. Ugh. But here, 
Oh yeah, talk about the food. I'm getting so off track. So we sit down and they were like kind of late bringing the food out, but then they finally do have food available and it's not really like Filipino food. It's not. Maybe some they of the like appetizers two, slightly. They but, had a couple things that I think might have been, but I can't say for but sure. But definitely not the main course. But the main course roast was, beef. was roast beef. And mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. And then like creamed vegetables, like a melange of yeah, which vegetables that were in like some sort of cream sauce. And then dessert was like... Uh, Dessert was like uh, the package of things you pick up at Costco that are the little finger food cheesecake things. Yeah, which were, I mean, I did eat a lot of them, but they were, yeah. So I was disappointed because I really wanted to try like Well, it's like, some... why make us all go here if we're not well, tasting because, the cuisine? Because the day of, I was looking at their menu and like, yeah, you, you know, were... pining over it. Like, what am I going to eat here? Like, with, like one of these dishes. And then none of those dishes were available. So I'm a little... I was a little disappointed by that, but we did meet Dolly. We did get to meet Dolly. She went up to the three tables and she only said hi. And then she, she like, we clearly weren't cool enough because she spent all of her time with the, there were three, there were four tables total. Yeah. Three of them were bigger. Yeah. And then we were, and then it was just the two of us at a small table. So, you know, we were like the black sheep in the corner, but again, I don't, I'm not uncomfortable doing these things anymore just because I feel like, you know, I'm not on. These people are not, I'm not trying to be like that. We're not on the same level, meaning I'm not thirsty for, no one's going to give me anything that I need. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm aware. I'll like, I'll go uh, check out some cool stuff and I'll have a glass of wine. And yeah, like if I don't like the food, then we'll just go stop and get food. I do want, but it's, it's you know, I do like seeing people like when we saw the whale and there was Brendan Frazier and Darren, mm-hmm. I mean, Darren, well, Aron- Darren Aronofsky looks like he's kind of a douchebag, but uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But it was fun to see like Brendan Frazier, but then all the people in the audience at that screening, which, you know, like and Simon Rex and uh, Andy Garcia yeah. was sitting across from us. And Simon Rex was right in front of Billy Eichner was behind us. Uh, oh, and he was in the, when we were in the, like, uh, the what lobby. do you call it? The lobby having drinks. I'm like, not that he would ever recognize us, but we did give his movie a shit review. <laughs> well, I don't need to talk to him, but, uh, but, um, Oh, and who's that that girl from Patty Cakes? Uh, I forget her name. She was there. Danielle something. Oh, the Dolly Parton, Jennifer Aniston And movie? she was in that movie, too. Yeah. Uh, Hello, that was something dumpling. But anyway, I think that's fun. Like I, I, like, I don't need to, like, hobnob with people. I just think it's fun to be in the same space. And, you know, it's fun to go to, like, fancy places. Mm-hmm. That You know, when would I have dinner at the, or, you know, go to an event at the Pacific Design Center? So I like doing things right. for that reason. And I reason. do like that theater in there. But I'm not trying to smoo- sm- smooge. Smooge. Smoo- is that the word? Smooch. Smooch? Smooch? Uh, With, like, what's that word? Like, hobnobs. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is it smooge? <laughs> you know, I really like the word scooch. Scoot, rub elbows. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to rub elbows. Uh <laughs> Which, if you think about the act of rubbing elbows, is creepy. Uh, well, especially with COVID and monkeypox. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but we should move on because that took a long time. Anyway, on Wednesday, we went to an event at Los Globos called Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Netflix was hosting a party uh, to uh, hype up the premiere of their new Netflix series, Wednesday, Wednesday which is a spinoff from the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. I mean, I knew who we'd be performing from the invite, the the RuPaul 
several RuPaul alumni, uh, but I didn't know T.S. Madison was hosting. The highlight of the event was T.S. Madison hosted. She mm -hmm. looked amazing, mm -hmm. and we already like her, but she hosted. That was a very fun surprise. There was open bar. The drinks were whatever, um, but the crowd was actually... It was not what I was expecting. It was not what I was expecting, but better than, like, all the shit I just talked the last 15 minutes, they weren't like that. It just seemed like people, because it was a gay thing. Yeah. And apparently, Netflix has, like, a gay division called Most, M-O-S-T. Mm -hmm. um, they have an Instagram page. Yeah, they're trying to hype that up. And so they do do a lot of things with the LGBTQIA plus community, but I thought it was fun. Violet Chachki performed, got Mick. Crystal Method and Mo Hart. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fun. I think Violet Chachki was probably the best. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Crystal Method. <laughs> she seems difficult or like, I don't know. She wasn't my favorite on her season, but whatever. Um, and it was nice because it started a little late, but then they kind of just went through everything at once. And then they're like, the, the girls are gone. You can stay and drink. So I, so, you know, I like that. Cause it's like, oh, in and out. Like and T.S. Madison is like the next contestant. Yeah. Girl She's second. funny. She is funny. She's very good at, uh, sort of uh, handling a crowd. crowd. Yeah. You know? But, uh, um, and then you saw Gia Tishi. Oh, and then I got to uh, meet, uh, Gia Tishi. So she is, um, known in the ballroom scene. She was on season two of legendary, mm -hmm. um, but her, she was the mother of the house of Tishi. So I know her from that, but also she's featured in that documentary, Jamel and Tim, mm -hmm. which is about the two men who were victimized by murdered by Ed murdered Buck. by Ed Buck. And she's in it because she was friends with um, Tim. Right. No, no Jamel. she's friends with Jamel. She's friends with Jamel. He was because he was also part of the ballroom scene. So I got to talk to her about that. So that was nice. She was very lovely. Mm -hmm. I've seen her perform at Precinct. Uh well, I don't know, within the past like two months. If you've never watched Legendary, uh, I would recommend season two, I think is really good. And they have some really good guest judges. But well, and I like, well, you know, I like Megan Thee Stallion and she's the the judge on season, season one. one. Kiki, and Palmer, Kiki Palmer is pretty who's good. Who's also too. very good. Uh, and she looks great. They, well, they Kiki both do. Palmer, but Kiki Palmer. Yeah. What was that one episode where she had that blue green thing on with a really long hair? She looked, yeah, she looks great. Okay. Uh, Oh, gosh, we've been going for a long time. Okay, did you see that, you know how there was UK versus the world? Mm -hmm. Now there's Canada versus the world. Well, we knew that was coming, right? Do you know who the contestants are? No. Um, okay, so. <laughs> Tell me. Do you know who Anita Wiglet is? Uh, from Australia? Yes. Okay. I, I don't know who that is. Uh, she's one. Isis Couture. From Canada, yeah. She actually won her she, season. She did. So that's interesting. Kendall Jenner. Or Kendall Gender. Yeah, I remember Kendall. She's from the same season as Isis Couture. Yes. Raja O'Hara. Oh, Raja's doing that? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's nice to see her, even if this will be like UK versus the world. Rita Baga or Rita Baga. Uh, the, uh, from Quebec. Yep. Silky Nutmeg Ganache. Okay. I'm still trying to, okay. Stephanie Prince. I don't think. I, I have no idea who that is. She's from Canada season two. You know, if I saw her, I probably would. Vanity Milan. Vanity Milan. She was the one black queen from UK Series 3. The oh, one who, yes. The one who went very far. The one who could really, really perform. Uh, dirty Rice. Dirty <laughs> Rice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, the final one is Victoria Scone. Oh, the, the, the cis, cis woman. The cis woman, yeah, who didn't return for UK you Series You mean the woman. Yeah. 
So she's not going there. That's exciting. I remember her teacup dress. Yes. Yeah. And some of the judges we saw on the panel were um, just from the trailer. I saw Monet Exchange. And there was another UK or there was another drag race queen out of drag as a judge. So that's cool. Okay. We only have a few minutes before I have to take a break. Mm. Oh, you know what I wanted to talk about? Yeah. So I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about this topic and then I wanted to read more about it. So the CDC has recommended that pharmacies start administering HIV tests. Oh, because so the logic behind that is, is particularly in rural areas where, you know, people don't have access to clinics or, you know, gay men's health or organizations. They they could get access at a pharmacy because even in the most rural areas, like seven, I was reading the statistics, but like maybe like 70 or 80% of people in the most rural areas are at least like seven miles away from a pharmacy. So that it's easier to um, get to. And then in some areas, they're as close as two miles away from the nearest pharmacy. So I think Philadelphia is going to be one of the first places to implement this. Mm-hmm. So then I had questions because I thought, okay, um, like we've all done HIV testing and most of us do it, you know, prior to like prep, you would go, if you're in a bigger city, you go to like a clinic, like a men's clinic. And they have people there who are trained to talk to you and provide you with information if you are positive for HIV. Like they have counselors there who are like equipped to do this. Mm-hmm. So my very first thought is like, you know, I used to work in a pharmacy. I used to be a pharmacy tech. And then I've had many experiences at pharmacies and they are rarely good. Those pharmacists, pharmacists of all the like medical professionals at that level. So like dentists, pharmacists, medical doctors, DOs, all that. I would say are the worst. Well, they act disgruntled a lot. Because they're always disgruntled. Like postal workers. Also, I was reading... Like, I have to come to this window and talk to you about your drugs. And I was reading that during during COVID, of all the healthcare professionals, the number one profession that sort of, like, left during COVID was war pharmacists. Because they were already unhappy. Because they, yeah. Yeah. But even the when we got our bivalent um, vaccine shot, that guy was terrible. Yeah. The service was terrible. So that made me think, well, you then, need to tell me that that guy would administer an HIV test. And then if it became, if, if the person were positive, he would tell them. Oh yeah. No, it, that's funny that I forgot that test. I had to reschedule it three times because uh, they kept canceling my slot. And I believe that it was him canceling it because he just didn't want, he didn't want to do so it. So imagine that guy having to tell someone. So then I was trying to read. So I did so I was reading all this shit and I finally got to cdc.gov and they have a PDF that's like an, an FAQ. So I read, it's long and I read all of it and I it wasn't until FAQ number 12 mm-hmm. that I got the information I was looking for. So the question is, since extensive pre-test and post-test prevention counseling is removed from the HIV testing event, how can HIV testing providers make sure that clients are still getting the services they need, such as mental health services, substance abuse treatment, housing, et cetera? So they're acknowledging that the pharmacists who are administering these tests ain't shit. Are, are not, you know, <laughs> like, like how are they going to help them? The answer is 
Despite the separation of HIV prevention counseling from the HIV testing event, HIV testing services should still be client-centered and HIV testing providers should have strong communication skills that prepare them to help clients address the various issues that may arise during an HIV testing session. Should have. Yeah, I, that different clients will have different needs and every effort should, should, should still be made to link clients with services that address their HIV-related health and wellness needs. Testing providers are encouraged... <laughs> Should, should, should encouraged to establish strong relationships with agencies that provide medical care, social and behavioral services in order to provide referrals to meet clients' needs. So you don't need to be an attorney to read this bullshit to know that these people aren't going to do shit. These pharmacists are just going to, because, you know, these pharmacies make money off administering these tests. So they're just going to do these tests and then tell someone, girl, you got AIDS. And then that's the end of it. Yep. And I just think that that is like, also concerning privacy issues. Can you imagine, like, if you live in some small town in, like, Tennessee, like, some closeted gay person, and you go to, like, your rural pharmacy uh, and yeah. take an HIV test? You think that those people are going to, like, mind their HIPAA regulations? No. And do you think that if that person tests positive for HIV, that they're going to be sensitive? You know, I want to believe that healthcare professionals would be, but it's just, like, I don't know. This shit seems crazy. Like you should be familiar with resources. Well, right. Like you yeah. just told someone that, because that's like that and would that, be like your pharmacist telling you you have like cancer. Well, right. And then right. it's just like, well, I guess you should go figure that out. Like, well, what? and then if something terrible happens around this experience, then it's like, well, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I mean, you know, we want them to be professional, but they don't have to be. And we, you know, for those of us who know, HIV is um, extremely manageable. It's not the death sentence that we once thought it was because we well that it was or, or well that it was because there wasn't proper or treatment available and education wasn't what it should have been but that's only for people who know if you don't know and you don't have access to that it could be a death sentence yeah so i don't know i feel real weird about this but we need to take a quick break when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I rambled on a lot about that, but I, I don't know how do I just feel weird about that in the sense that like, obviously I want people to have access to healthcare, but I just think that, you know, part of healthcare is care. And I just can't imagine, like, I'd be so devastated if I were a closeted person, gay person in a rural area who, you know, first of all, when you go get an HIV test, for the most part, you're doing it because you're concerned right. that you might have it. And then can you imagine going and you already probably don't feel safe because you don't trust the staff that, that, you know, also, you know, pharmacy technicians also have access to that information and you don't need to be, to be a pharmacy technician doesn't require anything. Mm -hmm. It does now. Now you actually have to, in order to take the test, you have to take a course, but that course ain't shit. And I know that because I worked for four years as a pharmacy tech and I took that test without even going to school. Like I just read the book the night before, but well, I think this, in some places, at least, there are more repercussions now for accessing That's medical right. information that you have no business looking at. But those people like at Walgreens and CVS, because my very first job as a pharmacy technician was at a Walgreens and they paid minimum wage. Of course. So yeah. you think like 
those people are going to be, and I'm not making, it, it sounds like I'm shitting on that pay grade, but I'm just saying that. Well, we don't, again, as then we don't pay people enough for what they're worth. And that's what I'm trying and, to say. And what that leads to yes. uh, are people cutting corners and, yes. and you know, and breaking, not caring, not caring, breaking rules. So that's I, what I know because I do. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm concerned about. But anyway, moving on. Um, I told a story about Sonny Bono mm-hmm. in one of our videos and I got a lot of comments about like how like awful I was. So oh, did you? Yes. So I feel like I want to explain the story and I, Wait, what was the context of you being awful, though? Like, what a mean thing to do. So for for people who don't know, I told a story about back in college in the 90s. So this was like 27 years ago. I used to visit West Hollywood because I was in college in Las Vegas with friends. And we would stay at a hotel called the Le Montrose in West Hollywood. And then that hotel is like a straight shot to the strip, like Santa Monica, where all the gay bars are. And halfway between that, like, five-minute walk was at the time Chastity Bono's house. Mm-hmm. And so I shared a story where we used to sometimes walk by and if like someone would be out there, cause it was all gated, mm-hmm. we, we would say like, get away from that tree. That's how your daddy died. In reference to Sonny Bono's skiing accident. So I shared that in one of our videos. I don't recall which one. Oh, the falling for Christmas video. Yes. But so that's an awful thing to do. And I was also, it was 27 years ago. I thought that was the point of you telling it that like you realize, looking back, you realize how terrible that was, but also, you know. But but the shit is funny. But, <laughs> right. But like morbidly for, funny. But for and, an, an and immature rude. teenager, whatever. Right. Okay. But I did want to say what precipitated us doing that. It wasn't just like we were three mean girls um, doing it. Her house at the time it was gated except the front so you could see in. Mm-hmm. So we had seen Chastity Bono like in her front yard or you know mm-hmm. getting out of the car. So we knew it was her house. And we used to go all the time because the one friend I went with would get free rooms at the Le Montrose. So like we would go like twice a month. Mm-hmm. And one time we were walking and this is in the 90s where you know the homosexuals would wear crazy shit. So we'd have all like spaghetti strap tank tops with like strings in the back. And I recall one time my one friend, I was walking behind him and the string, like his little top, like the string was coming undone. So I was trying to like tie his string and we were walking kind of slowly, like mm-hmm. in front of her house. Mm-hmm. We weren't loitering. We were also on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So this is not like a, pri- you know where I'm talking about, but like. Yeah, I remember you but, showing me that house. Yes, yeah. but this area is not, you know, we're not in like Brentwood negated community. This is literally like walking down Santa Monica Boulevard, but on a side street. Mm-hmm. We're walking slowly by her house because I'm trying to tie something. And then she was like yelling at us like to get out of there and to stop hanging out or like she's going to call the police. And it's like, what? Like, like we were like, we're on the sidewalk. So then my one friend was yelling like, we're on the sidewalk. And then she started yelling and it's like, no one's even thinking about you. Right. I'm literally trying to fix this person's shirt. And again, I'm on the sidewalk. Yes. So that's why we started okay you started because chastity bono at the time was a karen but you know it's a mean thing to say and i wouldn't do something like that now but yeah right but also like you know are we constantly having to censor it to you know to be transparent we've all done stupid terrible things we have but that's not an excuse and i'm not a mean girl like i don't 
I, I, I'm not deliberately trying to say nasty things. I do like to talk shit, but it's just... I don't know. Sometimes I do like to say nasty things depending on who deserves it. But uh... <laughs> Well, there's a difference. Like, yes. To me, talking shit is like jokes. And I think what we were saying, we thought we were being... Like, like I think we were like trying to be mean because we thought she was mean. But Yes. So that's not my spirit she was nowadays. Like, she was like Cloris Leachman and Prancer. Yeah, nowadays if someone did that, I'd be like, child, keep it moving. I don't give a shit. Like, that's why you're built like a Tetrix block and move on. But anyway, um, a question we got, <laughs> speaking of negative comments, was how do we handle negative comments? Um, uh, like Helen Keller. <laughs> well, so the thing, so only I see the comments and I delete them all. So Nick rarely sees negative comments in the actual videos, un unless he were to like check it very fast. But I usually... Yeah, sometimes I do see things. But it'd be very rare because I catch most of them. Because usually it'll be when something drops. I'll be like, oh, whatever. How, how are people reacting to this? Yes. And, and I, I will see things. Yeah. The only, now that we get so many comments, the only comments I can't keep track of are replies. That's too difficult. And I probably see more replies than you do because I'll follow them. Because you actually look at the video comments. But there are too many comments for me to scroll through. Um, like, it, it's just too much. So I don't catch those. Um, but yeah, so that's how I handle them. I delete them, but I delete negative, like nasty comments. If they're constructive, like, like if it's obvious someone listened to what we said and don't agree, and then they say what it is to me, that's like a conversation. Right. So right. that I, I think, or is, if I said something that's wrong, yeah, you know, so like, those I always keep because that's a conversation. Like that's someone who listened and, but then a lot of times it's just like nasty. And so then most of the negative comments are usually like me being dumb or me being like, why am I so mean and fussy? And, and then that's, so number one would be like, I'm dumb. And then number two is like my shitty attitude. And then, <laughs> and then probably number three would be like relationship advice. Like, like, why are you with me? Or like, I probably suck or there's a lot of that going on. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, but you know, relationships are work, uh, and uh, he's usually lovely. People also like to comment on how, like, oh, I seem happy today, or that it's <laughs> like we make a lot of videos. Sure. And I'm a human being with a personality, so some days I'm tired, some days I've been drinking, some days I had a really long day, mm -hmm. some days we film the video like later at night. Mm -hmm. So I've been up for like 17 hours. So it's delirious. You know, and just because I look good doesn't mean I feel good. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what, 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 what kind of shit they be saying about me? Um, you rarely get negative comments. Mm. The only thing related to you would be like a correction. Sure. Because, you Which, know, people love to correct people. They do. And who are like more know-it-all. So you know more than I do. So I rarely, for someone to correct me is pointless because it's like, well, in every video, I don't know something. So most of the comments about you are like, very nitpicky like well i do pride myself but some you know some shit i'm talking off the top of my head from memory and you know some stuff it's like wikipedia didn't update up there yet uh <laughs> yeah but so so that's but i don't take it to heart because i feel and i never reply because we get so many nice comments that i can't even reply to those so i feel like it's not fair to put energy into bullshit i will reply to reply to like constructive things yeah mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's like, well, thank you. I didn't know that. Or you're right. Like, that's a really good point. Or I didn't think, look at it that way. I mean, right. isn't that the point of all this? That is it's the like, point. Like, to, like being enlightened by other people's perspectives and thoughts and critiques and where we shouldn't live in a vacuum. So well, that's why I think I like the, you know, people also, well, the other 
an, another top comment that I don't delete because I think it's funny that other people will reply is um, about spoilers. Yes. Like I wish you would like I wish you would say and it's like every video is a spoiler. Like just consider every video a spoiler. But I do that because I want to have a conversation and I can't talk about a movie with having to censor having myself to censor about myself. the most basic tenets of whatever is going on in this this art. Uh, so I'm hoping if people watch us because sometimes people love to comment like how I stumble my words and I say like a lot and it's like as I say like again. I'm I'm having a conversation. I'm not like scripting myself. Right. We don't right. edit. I don't edit our conversation. Other people on YouTube edit themselves. You'll watch a 10 minute video and it's been edited a hundred times mm -hmm. so that it seems seamless. But that feels like that person's talking at me. And I like the vibe of, I would hope someone who likes our videos thinks like we're talking like they're in the room too. And if they were in the room, they would that's what interject. it would be. That's what it would be like if you if we were in person. Yeah, we were in person. If Nick and I were talking, it would be like double dutch. Like you would also jump in and mm -hmm. you'd you'd be included. That's my vibe. So yeah. Anyway, moving on. Sorry to this man. I thought it was funny that for the falling for Christmas video, I asked you the director of that film is working on another film with Lindsay Lohan. And I asked you what the title was. And you said India Fish. I said I didn't know. You you made it clear you didn't know, but India Fish is so funny to me because it's so random. The actual film title is Irish Wish. <laughs> so, so how you came up with India Fish? I don't know. I almost wish, yeah. India. I feel like if we ever get as popular as like, how did this get made? How they make a t-shirt for every episode. Mm -hmm. I feel like. Fish. there'd be a t-shirt for india fish um i i had i forgot i didn't write it to you in my notes but i think on last week's podcast we were talking about Catherine hepburn and the rainmaker and i wanted to make it clear that meryl streep has the record of nominations not hepburn hepburn has the record of wins oh sure. anyway okay we need to speed this shit up okay films released we didn't cover bar fight Bar Fight, Jim Mahoney, an actor, makes his directorial debut with Bar Fight. That comes out. Uh, there's another actor making, well, it's kind of an actor, making a directorial debut this week with Dylan and Zoe. Who's the actor? Uh, Matt Souter, sorry. Okay. And um, then uh, something called Is That Black Enough for You? Yeah, Elvis Mitchell, who I know you've seen before back when we, I probably used to drag you to screenings at LACMA more often. This is pre-pandemic. We would see Elvis Mitchell uh, on stage sometimes. And he directed a documentary about uh, like black representation in 1970s cinema, which I'm very interested in watching. Uh, and that's on Netflix. It was at AFI recently, the film festival. Um, yeah, I, I still plan on us watching that, but if it opened. My Father's Dragon. Uh, Noor Toomey, uh, the director of The Breadwinner, uh, has another animated film that is being released. Notably, a uh, favorite of mine, Diane Wiest, is uh, one of the voices. Um, I'm not going to say much about Sam and Kate because I thought we were still watching that um, with Dustin Hoffman, Sissy Spacek, and both of their respective children starring. Uh, and lastly, I think is retrograde, um, a documentary about the last 20 months in Afghanistan directed by Matthew Heineman, uh, who's known for, uh, several notable documentaries, including cartel land. Uh, he also directed a private war, which I remember liking reasonably well enough, a good Rosamund Pike performance as, uh, the war photographer, uh, I'm figuring is it Marie Colvin with the, with the eye patch oh. anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. Moving on to movies we watch for fun. So after I made the in one of our videos, I made 
a comment. I think it was one of the live videos. I talked about how I like to go onto the fourth floor of our home and take my binoculars and mm-hmm. look at our, through our neighbor's windows. So I got several comments saying that I should watch the documentary Voyeur on Netflix. So I did. Um, it's from 2017. It's about, well, it's about two people. So there's this journalist named Gay Talese. Mm. He's a well-known journalist. Yep. And him covering this guy named Gerald Foose. So Gerald Foose owned a, a motel in Colorado where he claims he built like, it's kind of like the motel in like Psycho. That's what it mm. looks like. And he built like in the attic, like a, like a, a crawl through where every room he built, like a, it looks like a vent mm-hmm. where he can look through. Oh, kind of like uh, old school version of Sliver. Yes. And that uh, he spent decades like being like a peeping Tom. And he even kept a very, very, very detailed journal of everything he saw. Interesting. So one day he contacts this journalist, Gay Talese, and says, I want to tell my story. And we spend a bunch of the documentary sort of figuring out how Gay Talese is going to write this story. And then he passes it on to the New Yorker. But of course, they have like a very stringent sort of protocol for fact checking. So it's all about like, how do we make sure that this story is good to go? And then they finally get to a place where they feel good about releasing it. And then right before, um, oh, because then Gay Talese wrote a book called The Voyeur's Tale, I believe. And right before that book is about to be published, it's revealed that some of the details that he's um, highlighting in the book are not accurate. So then there's this big question of like, did this man really do what he said? Ultimately, I feel like I would recommend watching it. It's interesting because you have these two people who clearly want attention. The journalist who... I mean, he is really like, I want to be, it's so awkward to watch because it's like, you have a subject you're writing about, but then you're making everything about you. Then we have this subject who is also talking to the documentarian. Sounds like Tyra Banks. Actually, it's very much that vibe. And there's a really cringy scene at the end where the journalist won't let the guy talk. Like the documentarian is asking the guy a question and the journalist is like, if for nothing else, it's worth watching the last like 20 minutes. Because that sounds very interesting. I haven't seen it. But ultimately, I I left feeling like, I don't know how much of this is true. And this guy seems more like, he does seem like a pervert. Also, his wife knew what he was doing. And she seems special. Like, like yeah, (laughs) she was drinking that Nevada tap water. I don't know. But (laughs) uh, so I I did watch it. It is an interesting watch. You watched... Um, the coal miner's daughter for the first time. Yeah, one of the very few uh, Best Actress uh, Academy Award winning performances that I have not seen. And because uh, it, it's sissy week in this household. Uh, yeah, I have to say that I, of course, thought uh, she gave a great performance as Loretta Lynn. It's directed by Michael Apted, uh, who, you know, would go on to direct Sigourney Weaver in uh, Gorillas in the Mist. He also had his... Uh, recurring documentary series, the Seven Up series, where he followed the same group of young men every seven years, uh, and I think I've seen the first couple of those, which are very interesting. Uh, and he tapped out with a terrible film. I'm forgetting the name of, starring Numi Rapace, uh, Untraceable. Not no, that's Diane Lane. Um, 
something like that, which it was not good. Anyhow, uh, coal miner's daughter. Oh, and they've tried to make Tommy Lee Jones blonde. Oh, which I don't know that that quite works. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting. I think I was thinking she had a much more tragic life. It's just very interesting because she got married when she was 14 and had these four boys and had this amazing singing voice. I think I was most surprised to learn that she had such a close friendship with Patsy Cline because I grew up listening to Patsy Cline, uh, who, of course, Jessica Lange played in Sweet Dreams, but in Coal Miners is played by Beverly D'Angelo. And I I quite liked seeing their friendship. However, I was like, who did Sissy win over that year? And if... It would have been up to me of the five nominees. I probably would have given that Oscar to Ellen Burstyn for Resurrection, but hmm. even and it would have been her second. But I watched a 2020 documentary called Bigorexia, and it's about like body dysmorphia within the bodybuilding community. And then there's a subset of body dysmorphia that I guess is actually called bigorexia. And it's about these people. Um, of different genders who are just obsessed with being bigger. Oh, I, you had that on when I done mm-hmm. Friday. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, and like any, sh- like any sort of a sort of case study where we see someone who has this sort of like obsessive compulsive fixation on anything, it's just really interesting to watch and frustrating to watch people be so unreasonable mm-hmm. about how they see themselves and their oh, actions. Yeah, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, it hard. is frustrating. Yeah. Just yeah. refuse to listen to logic or reality. Yeah. I'm very familiar with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I would recommend it. It's kind of, there are some graphic moments because there is this, I forget what it's called, a synthol. It's like this oil blend that some people inject into their bodies. Mm-hmm. Not unlike how some trans women will get. Sure. Um, but this is maybe like a higher grade uh, uh, of it. And so you have some people in there who've used it. And then also like one gentleman um, got a really bad infection in his buttocks uh, mm. from steroid injections and had to have like major surgery. So you see that. And But yeah, it's very interesting watching. I walked in and you had a clip on where someone was making chicken with a full face of makeup on. Oh, so interestingly enough, there is a well-known bodybuilder, a pharmacist, like a pharmacist, speaking about pharmacists, who um, is trans. So she now lives as a trans woman who um, there's a documentary, like an entire documentary about her. She's also in this documentary. Okay. And it's interesting because she talks about how she struggles with bigorexia, but then also like affirming her gender identity as a woman means that she wants to be smaller. There's another uh, documentary about a trans bodybuilder. I'm forgetting the name of it that we watched a couple years ago. Yeah. Isn't that her with the the, the pharmacist? I don't think so. With the three or the two sons. Oh, but so, yeah, that is, that is a separate documentary. We've seen that. Yeah. 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 But so it's interesting to hear her talk about it. And then we have these like, these like, bodybuilders talking about like trans people in a really awful way that's just like unbelievable so that was hard to sit through um but yeah uh something interesting you watched eve of destruction yeah if you like b-grade uh narratives from the early 90s with a really interesting cast i highly suggest eve of destruction i had a good time with that uh it stars renee sutendijk uh, who's probably best known, for, uh, she's Dutch from her Paul Verhoeven films like Spetters and uh, 
the Fourth Man, which I really like. Uh, she was also recently in Guadagnino's Suspiria remake. But she's paired up with Gregory Hines, who's this cop. And she's this scientist who's basically created this artificial intelligence, uh, this woman that looks not only exactly like her, but is downloaded like all of her primordial thoughts and memories and into this woman's brain and the the robot version of her is involved because she's just out here living in the world as an experiment they're monitoring you know several models of these these this ai there's a bank robbery and this uh the robot version malfunctions and goes on you know this killing spree rampage so it's virtually it feels like terminator 2 mixed with species and it gets real weird because they're trying to track her movements based on the scientist's actual memories. So like her early sexual experiences and Gregory Hines is screaming at her about her, her uh, collegiate uh, adolescent sex fantasies. Like I need to know everything about you. Uh, it, it's so utterly ridiculous and a lot of fun. And I quite like Renee Sutenjik. Uh but yeah, it was not well received at the time, but it's directed by a man named Duncan Gibbons who's dead. He died in 1993, uh, who did a lot of uh, music videos like for Bananarama and Glenn, I think Bananarama and Glenn Fry. But can I read you the statement on Duncan Gibbons on IMDb? Do it. Uh, Duncan Gibbons died in the massive wildfires that plagued the Southern California region in 1993 because of hazardous and dry conditions. Mr. Gibbons at first got out safely, but he went back to the area where he was living because he was trying to rescue his cat and perished. The cat was found days later, alive, but with the tips of its ears burnt off and hiding in the bottom area of a shed. Why is this... <laughs> This poor man's legacy is diminished to him, his dumbass died because of his cat that lives. Watch that be how I die. <laughs> Aggie is in the house on the top floor and it's on fire and I go to catch her and realize that she slid down the side or something. But why, why is this the first <laughs> statement I see on this man's IMDb? That's pretty good. Uh, lastly, the drag queen Ms. Cracker has a comedy stand-up special on Amazon called Here I Stand. It's oh, I on Amazon Prime. And I watched it. It's actually good. Oh. I mean, I'm not to say like I'm surprised. I do think she's quite funny. But I think her presence on stage is, she has really good timing. And um, yeah, so I was impressed. Okay. okay, there are no projects of interest. There aren't? I didn't see any. There were. I have several. Oh. Oh, well, it's listed under, it, it collapsed with obits. Oh, well, can you get through them in like four minutes? Sure. Okay. Well, did, are you going to go over there? Kevin Conroy died, who did the voice of Batman in many cartoons. Oh, that's the only uh, obituary. That I had listed, yeah. Well, unfortunately, there is an entry in the obituary section. Kevin Conroy then died. I I didn't know who that was until I saw a lot of homosexuals posting about mm -hmm. it because he was gay. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, rest in uh, peace. Okay, so now quickly get through your projects um, of interest. Alan Hughes, one of the Hughes brothers, is directing a Snoop Dogg bio, which uh, I guess we're we're due for that. I don't know who he is. A very interesting life. He sure does. Because yeah. you know he caught a murder case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. At I, the beginning of his murder career, was the case that they gave me. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, actually, I could really see that being a thing because just with that alone, that make an interesting biopic. But then, like all of his collaborations. He has an entire career just off of him and Martha Stewart. Yeah. And then his rap career. And... But yeah, yeah, the Hughes brothers, you know, they did uh, Menace to Society mm -hmm. uh, and directed, uh, well, Dead Presidents. Uh, but haven't, I don't think they've directed a film together. 
they do Book of Eli together? I don't remember now, don't but know. they haven't for the past decade and a half haven't been working they do separate projects i anyway. hope they just focus on one period like his murder case i think that would be really yeah like snoop dogg there's so many interesting yeah things. i don't want them to try to do this sweeping thing but anyway keep going uh patricia riggin is directing a film called g20 uh which will star viola davis as the president and is from the screenwriters of white boy rick okay uh osgood perkins has a new film you liked his gretel and hansel film i did um and i do i also remember liking i'm the pretty thing that lives in the house very subdued weird you know i am the pretty thing that lives in the house too go ahead okay i didn't know it was a competition but um <laughs> I'll, I'll you'll you'll win uh osgood perkins long legs is a new film starring oh funny that you Nicholas say that Cage. because someone just commented on one of our videos i find nick's knowledge of films to be really attractive oh thank <laughs> you it's in my mind i'm, I'm pinky <laughs> Which oh, in the brain. Yeah, well, which also relates to the film we're about to talk about. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, J.A. Bayona, who is making his first Spanish language film since The Orphanage, which I remember quite liking with uh, Belen Rueda, probably saying her name wrong, but uh, lovely gal. Uh, he did one of the Jurassic World films and, of course, A Monster Calls with Sigourney Weaver. He's doing a film about the Spanish Civil War based on a short story by Manuel Chavez Nogales, uh, which is a very famous text I read. Uh, but it's being scripted very excitingly uh, by Agustin Diaz-Yanez, who's a director that I really like for his 2001 film, Don't Tempt Me, uh, with Penelope Cruz and Victoria Abril and Fanny Ardant and Gail Garcia Bernal. I know I've made you watch that where they're heaven and hell are trying to fight over the soul of this boxer played by Damien Bashir. Love that film. Anyway, uh, and then Gran Turismo, Neil Blomkamp uh, is making this film and he's cast Jerry Hollowell, AKA Ginger Spice. Oh, uh, that's it? That's all I have. Okay, we need to take one more break. I'm sorry. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, we're back. Mm. so this week's secret film was your choice yes and you chose the 1977 american drama film written produced and directed by robert altman called three women yes i did it stars shelly duvall sissy spacek and janice rule mm -hmm. i had not heard of this movie yes you have i, I talk have. about it all the time you talk about a lot of things Okay, so for a 10-year anniversary, <laughs> oh I asked you for one gift, and that was that you watch, you complete watching all of my top 10 films of all time. Did I do it? A couple of which you'd all seen. Uh, you did, except for this one. Oh, I've seen all of your top 10? Now, now it is complete. Oh, well, you didn't tell me that. What? Because I've... Uh, or were you saving it for the podcast? No, I brought... You want to drop bombs on me. No, I've dropped... I've talked about this many times before. Like how one time my mom and I went on a road trip and she told me that her parents were cousins. <laughs> and I was like in my 30s. <laughs> I'm half kidding. I think she thinks they're like second cousins. But anyway. Anyway. You should have told me that when we started it, that this was like the final film on your top 10 list for me to watch. Oh, no. I've, I've said it many times before. 
and you and in your heart you really think that I remember that. No, no, I didn't think you remember. So why that, wouldn't you remind me? Because then it doesn't matter. Because are you going to remember? I don't know. Uh, but now we have a record of you talking about it and knowing about it on a podcast. So there's evidence. Now. You make no sense. But anyway, why did you choose this movie? Uh, well, it, as I said, I'd just seen Coal Miner's Daughter. With, uh, I wanted to rate it on Letterboxd. And, uh, oh, boy. And, All uh, Nick does is obsess about Letterboxd the past week. Every time I look at him, he's on his computer. Well, I have to make 11,000 entries, and I want to get it done. I have to smoke this crack. <laughs> it's right here. I can smoke it. Well, it's also like taking a, a memory. Well, my memory is very good, so I have very distinct memories to most of these. Entities. My memory is very good. You know, it's hard for me to watch American Idol because I have perfect pitch. Go ahead. I'm not bragging. It just <laughs> is. It just, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yes, I, but I love this film, and uh, I this there's a couple there's a there's a couple other films that I've been holding off on uh, in favor of like people dying, blah blah blah. So. It was, it, <laughs> <laughs> what you're funny Go uh, ahead. so i got so, so finally my the, the, i decided to, the time is now uh plus we are also going to watch another sissy spacek movie shortly maybe uh, that movie sam and kate mm -hmm. was already released it came out friday so we may need to prioritize some things reprioritize you want to watch sam and kate yeah has anyone reviewed Sam and Kate? Okay. Anyway, the basic story of three women. Uh, okay, so th this oh. is a film that is more of an impression. Uh, there is kind of a linear thought process, but uh, go go ahead. There there is a synopsis. It just never. It doesn't quite do it justice as watching it does. We'll see about that. <clears throat> so, it's uh, Sissy Spacek. Um, shows up to this new job of hers at a health spa her name is pinky rose and shelly duvall is working there and is told to train sissy spacey and her name is millie lamoureux so shelly and sissy become quick friends they move in together and it's important to know their personalities when we first meet them mm -hmm. sissy is very like sort of mild-mannered and quiet kind of juvenile shelly if you look up Chatty Cathy in the dictionary, her ass, her picture will show up. All she does is talk. And she seems, you know, oftentimes people who are very chatty that way, it's like they have a sort of a heightened sense of how important their words are. So she, um, she's just doling out like advice on everything. Well, cooking, food, or relationships, fashion, everything. Well, you know, Shelley Duvall, because there was no complete script for this film, was allowed to create a lot of this herself. And it's she wanted to personify, I believe, uh, like the type of person that sounds like the magazine she's reading. Like she's like McCall's come to life. So it's very effective. And it's very obvious that her co-workers and her, you know, sort of social group, they don't pay her any mind. Okay. So... Sissy and Shelly move in together in this apartment complex. It's important to know the apartment complex, like the landlords, are this married couple, Edgar and Willie. Mm -hmm. And Willie is pregnant by yeah. Edgar. Okay. And she's painting all these very arresting murals. Murals, yeah. About that. Willie is the Willie landlord. Is the, who's the third woman. And uh, that are all these like ancient looking reptilian women that are. Okay. So 
things kind of come to a head because living with Shelly is not easy for Sissy because Shelly is very particular and sort of controlling and wants everything to be perfect and clean. And one night they get into a little bit of an argument and because Shelly has brought over a man and wants it's Sissy. Edgar. Oh, it's Edgar. That's right. And wants Sissy to like go sleep on the couch. So Sissy gets upset and goes outside from like the second floor where they live and dives into the pool. And the way it looks is she just dives into the water, but apparently she injured herself badly. Like she suffered like head trauma because now she's in the hospital in a coma. And this is where things switch up because now Shelly Duvall's character seems like she feels guilty, like she's responsible for this. So now she wants to take care of her, which looks like her visiting the hospital every day because Shelly's uh, sissy's just in a coma. So Shelly's visiting every day and then at a point decides that she wants to find Sissy's parents mm -hmm. and bring them to the hospital so that um, maybe like their presence will wake her up from this coma. It's important to know they're in the desert, like, uh, like, like Palm Springs type desert. It was shot in Palm Springs, but it's supposed to be set in some Northern California desert town. And the parents, I believe are from Texas somewhere. Yep. So they took like the bus all the way to California to visit the daughter. And Sissy does wake up. And when she wakes up, she's like, who in the hell are these people? These are not my parents. And her attitude is entirely different. She's like an entirely different person. So now things have changed because Shelly's become a little more nurturing and sort of aware of her environment. Whereas Sissy is like Little Miss Hot Draws. And, she and she doesn't want to be called Pinky anymore. She wants to be called what her birth name is, Mildred, which we knew before. She's dressing more sexy. She's wearing makeup. She's doing her hair differently. She wants the attention of men. And I, I start sleeping with Edgar. Start sleeping with Edgar. So now Shelly is sort of uncomfortable in her own home because Sissy is so bossy and crazy. But everything culminates with Sissy has a bad dream one night like a dream within a dream because mm -hmm. I feel like this entire movie is a dream. Yeah. And she goes to Shelly Duvall who's sleeping on the rollaway bed because Sissy has convinced Shelly that she should sleep on the rollaway now. Because she needs a room of her own. Virginia Woolf said. Yeah. And they're sort of like sleeping together and it seems like maybe they're like sort of understanding each other better when all of a sudden they're awakened by Edgar, their landlord, has like walked into their apartment like brother man from the fifth floor style mm -hmm. and is making himself a drink. And of course they panic and say like, we're going to call the police. And he's like, girl, <laughs> I'm friends with all those people. If you, if I told them what I was doing, they'd probably be here too. And he's like, never mind all that. Like my wife is giving labor right now. So that's why I'm here. So Shelly's like, Oh my God, we need to go help Willie. So she drags Sissy with her and they drive down to, Edgar and Willie's house and sure enough Willie's in bed like in labor Alone. by herself so Shelly says I'll take care of this while you sissy get in the car and go get some help so Shelly delivers this baby not knowing what she's doing the baby's born like stillborn mm -hmm. so like now Willie is in bed holding her dead baby. Shelly's covered in blood, traumatized. Mm -hmm. She walks outside, which was a really good scene. And she sees that Sissy Spacek never went to get help. So she slaps the shit out of her. And then we cut to sometime in the future. 
now the three women, Shelly, Sissy, and Willie, all live together. And Shelly's kind of like the leader of the group. Like they, like the other two listen to her and she kind of tells them like, it's dinner time, sit here, go over there, the end. I thought this movie was very good. Um, oh, I, I, I absolutely love this movie. Shelly Duvall is so good and so watchable and like so effect, like the way their personality switch for both Shelly and Sissy is so effective. It, Shelly Duvall, I think, is transfixing in this and beautiful. And she won Best Actress at Cannes uh, for it, which is notable. Uh, but I, I Sissy Spacek does such a good job because in the beginning, she does seem like girlish because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, they're not kids. They're, they're of age. But she, Sissy, you know, she doesn't have like a, she kind of has like, well, you know, people with fair skin age differently so she doesn't look particularly young in the face but like how she like how she styled and acting she does seem like a little girl and then when she switches i don't know what they did to her hair but it looks so good she's wearing makeup that makes her look kind of dewy and like rosy but also like well and like the color is important like that she's the color of her name like pinky rose right but then she's wearing like this red lipstick and kind of like garish uh, you know eyeshadow um and then she's dressing more provocatively. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where she is, oh my gosh. There's a scene where Shelly Duvall goes to her job and her bosses treat her like shit. They treat everyone yeah. like shit. But Shelly Duvall goes to her boss. This is after Sissy wakes up trying to get Sissy her job back. And she's advocating for her friend and they're not trying to have it. And she gets mad and quits. Mm-hmm. And then she walks out to her car and her car's missing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, damn, I just quit my job and someone stole my car. So some police come and help her and they see that her car is parked at some like bar and they go in and she finds out that Sissy Spacek took her car. So she confronts her in a really good scene because the way it's shot, it's like an aerial view of Shelly walking across this dirt field Mm -hmm. while Sissy is out there with Edgar, her landlord, like at a shooting range. Landlord lover, yeah. And... Sissy's wearing this really cute, like sexy pink, like two like piece pants set and is like being so rude to Shelly. I thought that was super effective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the transition of Sissy Spacey going from like innocent, sweet little girl to like well, I, I temptress. I had read that it was uh, a film about a personality thief, which is kind of what's, you know, largely what's going on. But, um, you know, I don't think this story is that confusing. I mean, it's very obvious what's it's not obvious like basic i think interpretations are open and there's so much ambiguity it's i think the movie does a good job of leaving you feeling like i understand what i watched like like you know it does like like it does move linearly but yeah there's a lot open to interpretation a lot of symbolism i think that you know in a perfect world i would have had you watch because you i know you haven't seen it ingmar bergman's persona which is very much what influenced or made this film possible uh, for Altman, I think. And somebody once said, like, both everything, anything anyone has ever said about Persona is both correct and wrong. Uh, but, but uh, you know, a very similar switch kind of happens. But, you know, here we have the three women, and what do you do with Janice Rule as Willie, who's kind of like the inverse of Millie, who is as quiet as Millie is chatty, you know, in the first half of the film, etc. But, you know, I think that you... A lot of critics tried to use psychoanalysis to interpret this film. And I think there's a lot of that there. Because if you're thinking about the 1970s and what people are reading and what's in the cultural consciousness. But, you know, I think there, there's an argument for these women 
maybe all being part of the same personality, like the id, ego, ego, and superego, um, which also, of course, reminds me of the three faces of Eve. And somebody, I don't remember who, but suggested that this is part of a thematic trilogy by Altman, which includes two other of my favorite Altman films, which are Images with Susanna York, which that uh, actor also had uh, contributed quite a bit to the creation of that character. Uh, and then Sandy Dennis in That Cold Day in the Park, which is very early Altman film. And I, I also highly recommend that film. Uh, but yeah, and they're all defined by their own kind of color, like Shelly, uh, as Millie is always in yellow, if you'll notice, and lives the purple sage that she lives in is uh, got the purple theme. And because she says out loud that my favorite, yellow, th these are my two favorite colors. Uh, and then even in the dialogue, because I haven't watched this in a while, but there are hints in the dialogue of what Alden's trying to do. Like when the, the first two, when they first meet, Shelly tells her, you're a little like me. And then there's always this comparison of the twins and they're kind of, nobody can differentiate between the twins at this physical rehabilita rehabilitative center. Uh, and Sissy wonders like, oh, I wonder if they just switch back and forth freely and nobody ever knows. Mm. Um, when Shelly's or Sissy's parents show up, they are so dumb. And dry. <laughs> and dry. And the dad is, oh my God, it was, it was funny how like dumb they were and embarrassing for her. But um, I, I like I could see why she was like, I don't know these people if if that is in case or because I wasn't clear if those actually were her parents or not. Well, they as soon as they see her lying, they're like, yep, that's Pinky. Well, only the mom says that the yeah. dad doesn't the dad know is out she... of it completely. Yeah. Well, I, but I didn't know. Like, he seemed confused. Like, who is this girl? And the mom is she seemed like she was just excited to, to be do, present, to like, like to do something. But um. Shelly Duvall, her fashions, she looks so good. And she her hair, I'm sure it's a wig, but it looks so good. Uh, um, yeah, she's so striking. Which... And I noticed when the switch happens, like her hair gets a little softer. Mm -hmm. Like the cut is the same, but it looks lighter. Yes. And I think there's there's something to be said about the expectations and the phases of womanhood, right? Because there's a, there's a child or teenager and a mother and a grandmother figure kind of by the end all frequenting in there and how she softens up by kind of being forced to be motherly to this woman and then being the mother at the end uh which i really uh, i really like that but uh i love her little bathing suit when she walks out to because she's also thinks that a neighbor of hers tom likes her and she's always trying to talk to tom who's we've learned is pretending to be sick to get away from her and he never acknowledges her this movie was remade not to my oh by who isn't there a three women from 29 there's a, a more recent three women directed right? by who oh I, well i thought for sure you would know so i didn't <laughs> well i don't think it's a remake i think or three oh shailene woodley isn't it i don't think that's a remake this is yeah is it well, I don't know. The plot, the synopsis says this is an intimate, moving, uplifting portrayal of real women reclaiming their lives for themselves. Oh, this hasn't come out yet. Oh, it hasn't come out yet. Okay. <laughs> With Betty Gilpin. Yeah. The, and DeWanda Wise from the last Jurassic Park movie. Um, oh, maybe this is not. It's a TV series. Oh, <laughs> I saw the title in the thing and I'm like, oh, is this a remake anyway? Oh, and then it looks like 
Oh no, that's not. Yeah, her. no, I, I and I would. Blair Underwood is in it. I would be surprised. Like the, again, nineteen seventies New Hollywood, where uh, Altman was somehow able to get this film off the ground without a script, financed by Fox. Uh, <laughs> well, we need to wrap this up. Um, what would you give this movie? Well, to me, this is a perfect film. It uh, here's a quote by Altman that I really like. I'm trying to reach toward a picture that's totally emotional, not narrative or intellectual, where an audience walks out and they can't say anything about it except what they feel. And I, I, I get a lot of that. I love all the shots of the murals that I'm forgetting who uh, is credited for painting those um, because that's telling a story and that's evoking a similar feeling of like menace and dread and also like beauty and wonder. And uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's sad and exciting as a film this movie made me feel like it made me feel a few things i felt bad for sissy spacek i mean for shelly duvall in that i almost felt embarrassed for her thinking about how there probably was a time in my life where i like i had created this persona for myself and this way of acting that i thought was working for me Mm -hmm. and then realizing that it really wasn't and that it probably was repellent to a lot of people like it's cringy to think about sure and then now here i am twice you know 22 years later and it's like well i i kind of feel like how how shelly seems at the end where it's just like well i just got to take control of my little space that i have and and then for sissy i think she made me feel like that like the, a period in life where where you just want to be someone else like like i want to transcend where i come from and i remember being younger sort of pretending to be someone i wasn't and lying about something to maybe impress someone and well it's it's about seeking it's like we're all blank slates and we're looking for someone to emulate at first because we don't know who to be sure um I, I like that uh, about it. And I think that's where a lot of the sadness comes when I, I watch this film, but there's also kind of like a psychotic horror element to it. Like that's not unlike single white female, you know, or worst roommate ever even. Um, but I had to laugh at the part where uh, Shelley Duvall is literally helping this other woman give birth. I couldn't help but think of butterfly McQueen and gone with the wind. And I don't know nothing about birth, no babies. <laughs> oh gosh. And then when she is like, what, like, like after she hands the stillborn baby to Willie. She walks out like almost like a mummy, like, cause what a traumatic thing to go through. And she's covered in blood. And like, she just handed this woman, her dead baby. And then, and then when she sees that her supposed friend didn't even go try to get mm-hmm. help and the look on her face. And then when she slapped her, I was, that was really good. It was. And, and then it suggested after that, that the maybe, Edgar has been killed and maybe is lying beneath that pile of tires. That's the last shot of the film. Oh, uh, again, not, nothing's really certain, uh, but but I like all the suggestions quite a bit, and I, I like the cinematography was shot by Charles Rocher Jr. Uh, and I love the sound, the score by Gerald Busby, both who would also work with Altman again on a wedding, also an excellent uh, Altman film, a great ensemble that would come out a year later. Uh, but, you know, you see a lot of these shots of women through uh, water, through th- th- something obfuscating really what is the vision that th- they're being seen through something else, through another lens or perspective, which also suggests that this is, you know, nothing but a dream. But who's dreaming? Well, and, and also, I like that they're all 
you know, if, if we're looking at it as they are all aspects of one woman, because they're all sleeping with the same man, uh, and, and how their relations change them based on the persona, like this child, basically, uh, or, or the pregnant wife. And I don't know. It's, I, I find it just fascinating. We need to end the recording. Do you have anything else to say? <sighs> no. I don't think so. Do you have a quote or? No, I, I started with Mary J. Blige and ended with Robert Altman. Those are the two quotes that we have a bunch of video. We have like five videos. Um, um, we have the menu dropping tomorrow, bones and all. She said the inspection. Those are all dropping mm -hmm. this coming week. Uh, we have to watch Sebastian Lelio's The Wonder. Um, I think the only thing we're seeing in the theater next week is devotion and um the glass the knives out sequel oh okay but uh yeah well that's all i have oh and russell crowe directed a movie that comes out next week we have that too oh god all right toodaloo bye <laughs>